Thank you. All right, let's uh, find Genesis chapter number three. Start off with a hard book to find. Genesis three. And then our next one will be in Genesis 2. So it's, it's already shaping up to be a good night. Not too stressful tonight. None of those minor prophets that you, you just, you, you think somebody stole it from your Bible and you get embarrassed to keep flicking. So you finally just leave it open anywhere. Uh, it's, ha- it's happened to everybody. Nothing worse than going to a preacher's meeting is sitting with preachers all around you and you can't find that book and you have to go to the index. And three preachers look across at you like, and, and you're a preacher. So it so keeps us humble. Well, good to be here. And uh, thank you to our pastor. I pray that he's uh, also uh, being blessed as he's uh, preaching tonight down the Gold Coast. I can see Cassie's back. I did look for her. I, she wasn't up here. I thought, I'll just check if Cassie's here before I say anything. And uh, she was down the back, so... And she's recording everything, by the way, so that everything will go back. All right, Genesis chapter 3. Uh, I want to give you a, uh, a message uh, a little bit different. I'm going to just show you something that God does. Uh, and uh, he does it a bit through the Bible. And if you ask me uh, why he does it, I, I can't answer that. I don't, I don't really know why. But then there are a lot of things God does that I, I don't know why. And I've got beyond trying to be the person who answers, why does God do? Uh, I'm, I'm at peace that God is God and I'm not. And, uh, and I'm at peace with the good character of God, that everything he does is good and he's just and he's holy. And, and even if it appears not that way to me, I'm wrong and he's not. And I just have a peace about that. But I do find it helpful to uh, identify patterns and uh, to just see when uh, God does a particular thing. And usually uh, they're there to kind of help us, to, to, to give us some understanding. And I think just understanding this little thing tonight might uh, help us to be a little more hopeful, uh, particularly uh, hopeful maybe if something has gone wrong, uh, to remain hopeful for what can come ahead. So uh, our Bible reading, uh, you already have it open, was uh, Genesis chapter 3. Uh, I don't know if you think much about Adam and Eve. I, I think we don't give Adam and Eve a lot of thought beyond uh, the, the fall, you know, the little bit that we know. But of course, they live for a long time after that. And uh, I believe that you'll see Adam and Eve in heaven. Uh, I'm sure that they're in heaven. I think when God uh, covered them in a, a, a coat, a, a, a skins of, of animals, I think that was a picture of uh, his uh, appropriating a, a coming salvation that Christ was going to make available on the cross. I think you'll see Adam and Eve in heaven. We don't think a lot about that. Even when people talk about seeing people in heaven, they say Abraham or Peter or someone else. But, but Adam and Eve will be there also. I also think that they probably were more spiritual than we think. And uh, I think that what we've done really, because the, the, the major part of the narrative that we think of when we hear Adam and Eve has to do with the fall, uh, in our mind, they're kind of always falling. You know, they, they've, they got it wrong, they, 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 they sinned, and they did do all that. And uh, through Adam came sin into the world. But of course, they lived for a long time after that. And uh, you have to remember that these were people who got to walk with God. And uh, I don't, you don't easily forget that. You, you don't just, you know, even when that stops, you don't forget that you had that. And uh, no generation, nobody after that had what they had. No, no, none, nobody who came after them ever had the same uh, sight that they had that was lost once sin came. But I'm just saying they had an experience with God that was quite unique. Um, uh, Adam particularly had considerable discourse with God. And so even after the fall, whilst they were changed and uh, fallen and not the same, uh, but they still had clear recollection of uh, being with God, of being in the garden, uh, or being around the tree of life and that they were no longer able to access. But I'm just saying, I think they're a little more spiritual than we give them credit for. I think there's been decline over time. So Genesis chapter three, verse 15, is uh, considered uh, the first scripture in the Bible that is a messianic promise. 
So, so it's considered the first Bible verse that speaks of the coming Christ. Now you may have known that already or maybe you didn't know that. But uh, the, the promise here that God made uh, in, uh, in uh, judging the serpent, uh, he said that uh, from the woman, uh, from the seed of the woman uh, was going to, to come uh, the one that would bruise the head of the serpent, but the serpent would bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. And so uh, as we study that, uh, most of us believe that that's referencing Christ, the coming Messiah, and that uh, he died on the cross. He was bruised uh, for our sins. He was bruised for our iniquities. He, uh, he, he suffered the, pen the, the penalty of sin that uh, we should have paid. But in doing so, he crushed the head of the serpent. Uh, the day of the cross, and particularly the day of the erection, was a, was a victorious day. Does that make sense? And uh, the serpent was defeated. Now, uh, leading up to the cross, uh, Satan tried very hard to stop, to stop the cross even happening. Uh, first of all, he tried to slaughter all the infants when Christ was born. That was an attempt to, to stop the Messiah ever coming to be. Uh, the war on the Jews through the Old Testament has always had a spiritual element to it. It isn't just about nations warring against Israel. Behind that was Satan's attempt to eliminate Israel altogether. Because if there was no Israel, there can be no seed to come through that line and uh, therefore no Messiah. And so there's this warfare going on. By the way, we're still caught in it today, though we're on the other side of victory. The devil is still alive, he's still working. Uh, but uh, we have victory in Christ who's already, who's already defeated the devil for us. But I look forward to the day that he will be finally subdued. I think, I think that will be a good day. Uh, I, I, I grieve at uh, sin and its effects and uh, what it does to people's lives. And uh, I just look forward to the day that uh, this will all come to conclusion, which is not too far away. So verse number 15, the first uh, promise, messianic promise of the coming Messiah. Now, you know, I get it. It's not Isaiah and it doesn't give a great amount of details, but it's recognized. Can I say this, that even uh, uh, Jews who do not accept the New Testament and they're wrong in doing that and have not understood that Christ has already come. But as long as Jewish people have been studying these scriptures, they have the Old Testament and they have studied it looking for messianic uh, prophecies and promises. They've given great attention to that. They also agree that this is the first promise of the coming Messiah. So I don't want you to think it's a radical thought. Some of you would have heard it already and this will just be mm, mm, mm. All right, so chapter number four uh, is uh, uh, the next event. So sin has happened, uh, the fall, you know, uh, and now a promise from the woman, the seed of the woman uh, is going to come uh, the Messiah. By the way, not the seed of the man. Because Adam's blood was tainted. And if Christ had Adam's blood, Christ would have inherited sin. So that's why there had to be a virgin birth. So the virgin birth made, made God the father of Jesus, not Adam. But the, what is different is that all you and I did not have a virgin birth with God as our father. We have all inherited Adam's blood. So sin is endemic in our nature. You don't have to teach a child to do wrong. They will, they will do it. They will just do it innately. It's in them. You have to constantly correct and teach them to do right. And not just a child. Leave you to yourself and you'll do wrong too. You, your, your natural response will be to do wrong. Your spiritual response will be to do right. But, but just become unspiritual for a while and you'll go back to the old you. And you'll start speaking like you used to speak, but God changed you and you're slipping back to that. And you'll start behaving and you'll, you'll, start, you'll start dismissing things that they're not really big sins anymore. That everybody does that now. And that's just telling us how unspiritual you are. That's just telling us that you're far away from where you ought to be. So, so not from the seed of Adam, but from the seed of the woman. That's why there had to be a virgin birth. And now we get to chapter 4, and the first two verses in Genesis chapter number 4 have to do with the first uh, uh, event 
of, of Eve giving birth to children. And so uh, I'll read it, those two verses. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. I'll revisit that in a moment. And she again bare his brother Abel. So we have the birth there described in chapter 4 of, of uh, Cain and Abel. Now, some people say, uh, they, they say may, maybe they were twins. I, I, don't, I don't know I agree with that. I don't think you can conclude that. But I, I sort of get it why they say that. In the study of the scriptures, it's put together as a single event. So, so you, don't, you don't have Cain and then, you know, 18 verses later, Abel. And it's, 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 it's given to you by the Holy Spirit as a, as a particular single event. And I'm going to call it a first event, not advent, but a first event and uh, where you have these two born. Now, notice that, that when uh, Eve gives birth uh, to the man-child, uh, she says, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Now, again, uh, the rabbis and others teach, and I'm going to agree with them tonight, uh, they say that Eve thought that she had given birth to what was promised in Genesis 3.15. She, she thought that, you know, it had happened, what God had said, that the seed of the woman was going to come. And she thought that uh, in giving birth to the man-child, that this had come from God, and uh, that this had to do with what God had said in, uh, in Genesis 3, verse 15. Now, uh, we know that it was going to be quite some time after, uh, before the Messiah would come. But I agree with them. I think she thought that also. I think that she was thinking that, well, this is, this is that God, what God said was going to happen. It's, it's now, bear in mind, she'd never had children before. And nobody else had had them either. So this is a first time event of, oh, I've gotten a man child from the Lord. This, this must be what he said. This is what, this is what he spoke about. And uh, so uh, uh, she uh, makes that statement. Now, uh, Jewish women uh, to this day, but certainly through all through the Bible, believe that God had covenanted with the woman to give birth to, one of them would give birth to the coming Messiah, which did happen. And that's why it was always important to Jewish women to have children, and particularly a man-child. So when you, when you keep coming across that in the Old Testament, if people were barren and they, they couldn't have a child, they weren't just feeling, I'm missing out, you know, I really want a baby to cuddle. They were feeling it at a much deeper level that I have been dispossessed from the covenant that God gave to the woman. And every Jewish mother in, in, you know, who gave birth to a child was participating in the covenant that God had made with women right back from you know, Genesis chapter 3. So it was very important to them. To, to be a partaker in that. And the idea was that you really wouldn't know, could it be you? Could this one be the, could you be the one who've given birth? And that's not, that's not, it's not wild because one day a, a young girl did give birth to a child and that was the one. And, you know, it just, it was going to happen from someone and we weren't sure when, but they, they, they entered into that. So here's Eve thinking that, well, this has come of God. I want you to see it's described as a single event here. Uh, but of course, if you read on in chapter 4, you'll find that whatever uh, hope uh, Eve had uh, for her children and whatever hope she had when they were born and, and she recognised that God was in it, that God had, God had allowed this birth or God had brought this thing to be. And, uh, and I'm sure she had a sort of spiritual hope with that. But as you read on, and you all know, I'm sure, the story of uh, Cain and Abel, and uh, what happens is that all that spiritual hope goes terribly wrong. And, uh, and I don't doubt she was a mother who loved her children in the way that you love yours. Uh, I don't think she was any different that way. And, of course, uh, what happens, we find, is that uh, it did not take long for sin to to come into families. You know, today we talk about, you know, we say, you hear people say, well, families today are dysfunctional. 
This was a dysfunctional family. And it's the first one. And that's how quick sin got in, took hold, changed things. It didn't take hundreds and thousands of years. It happened really quick. Decline happens really quick. It, does, it doesn't have to take a long time. And uh, so uh, we find that there is uh, strife uh, between the brothers. There's fighting. There's envy. Uh, there's uh, self-righteousness on behalf of one of them. And uh, finally... Uh, it ends in murder. And so from, I have gotten a man from the Lord, now what do you have? I have nothing. Because one of my boys has murdered the other boy. And then God came and judged Cain and marked him and banished him. So here is now mother... And from I have gotten a man from the Lord to it's all gone. It's all gone. Uh, what I thought was going to happen did not happen. Uh, what, what, the, what I thought was a blessing has turned out to be a great heartache. And, uh, and it all goes terribly wrong and she ends up having nothing. Now if you ask people in the world, if they know a little bit of Bible, how many children did... Uh, Adam and Eve have. Mo a lot of people know Cain and Abel and they stop there. But of course we know that, that they're going to have more children than that. But I'm trying to show you that what God has done here, everything I just said to you in chapter 4 is put as a, a particular event, a first. Now, the second thing that happens here, the second narrative that comes in is in verse 25 and 26. All right, and this is the second time. All right, so can you see why some people say, well, maybe they were twins, you know, because there's two distinct events here about the birth of children. There's a first event and now there's a second event. And, and I want to point this out to you here because what happens in verse 25 and 26 is that God is going to give back to Eve everything that was lost. And the blessing that she thought that she would have the first time when it all went wrong is going to be returned to her in the second time. And, and what, what I'm going to point out to you just, you know, tonight in a couple of places and, and I'm done, I'm going to show you, I started off by saying something God does that I can't explain. And what I'm talking about is that God often puts his blessing on the second time rather than the first that God often will bless the second above the first. And the reason that you should just contemplate that is a little bit because when we do something that we believe God has birthed, or we, we, do, you know, we participate in a ministry, enter into a marriage, uh, involved in a relationship, something that we believe, you know, this is of God, when that goes terribly wrong, we can become very discouraged. It's like everything I hoped for has been taken away from me. And I don't think you should be hard on people who have, you know, marriages that did not work the way that they wish they had. Because most people don't go into a marriage hoping it will fail. They actually go in with a sense of hope, believing and wanting it to be a, a blessing. And so... so uh, God often will put his blessing on a second, a second event more than it was on the first. So I'm going to give you some examples and I'll give you another Bible. So here's, here's, a, here's, here's this. Is the blessing on the first birth or is the blessing on the second birth? The blessing is on the second birth. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the end of the kingdom of God. You're born into sin, but you're born again. The second birth is your birth into blessing. It's the second birth that makes you a child of God. It's the second birth that puts your name in the book of life. It's the second birth that guarantees your home in heaven. It's the second birth that, that uh, has the Holy Spirit enter into you. 
The blessing is not on the first birth. The blessing is on the second birth. You understand that? Uh, so so uh, the, the, the first birth, the blessing is on um, the second birth. There's a lot of these uh, throughout the Bible where the blessing is on, is on the second. So verse number 25, 26, the second, the second event here is that, uh, let's read it, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. And now here's the spiritual blessing. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. And that's, the ble- and that's, that's, that's what God is trying to show you. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Then it became spiritual. Then there was spiritual blessing. Uh, but, but what she had hoped for in the first did not eventuate. Uh, uh, and, but it did come to be in the second. All right? God often puts his blessing on the second above the first. Now, I'm not asking you to plan to fail at the first of anything. But I'm talking to people who have done some things that maybe you believe God was in, and maybe he was, but it didn't go how you hoped it would go. Uh, And the danger is when you get to that, uh, if if you're not careful, what you do is you stop having babies. And and I'm I'm referencing Eve. You're looking at me like it's getting weird. Uh, I'm saying that if she had not had another child, there would be no Seth. I'm saying if she said, no, I'm burned, this all went horribly bad and, and I can't go through this again. You know, we were trusting God, we believed God. I thought this was a fulfillment of a promise of God and, and you know, the hurt that this brought into my life and I can't go through this again. And, and if you were bought after a failed first, you can miss an increased blessing that was going to be put on the second. Okay, so, so the blessing is on the second birth, not the first birth. Clear? Okay. Christ is called the second Adam. The blessing is not on the first Adam. The blessing is on the second Adam. Do you agree with that? And, and I'm trying to show you this is pattern. Okay. Now you say, why? I don't know why. I don't know why. It just is. And is it every time? It's many times. That would be the best answer. It's many times. Where, where, where God will put a blessing on something... Uh, with, I was going to say speak Thai, uh, I was going to say makwa, uh, with increase above what he was put on the first. Okay, so I'll give you an example. Uh, I use myself because I, I, you know, I only know me, I know me better than I know you. Um, I went down to Tasmania uh, with Suzanne, we were married, had two of the kids, uh, went down to uh, be involved in a church in a small country town. Um, and uh, when we went there, it was a tiny church. It was a church that Suzanne had, and her family had been in. It was where she'd grown up. And uh, we went there, and uh, I was preaching and, and uh, involved in uh, leading in the church, and there was blessing came. And we thought, this is wonderful. Look, Look, look what God has given us. Look, look what is happening here. And all kinds of things were happening. People, people started getting saved. Uh, you know, the town drunkard got saved and the apprentice town drunks had got saved. And, there was, uh, there was, and, you know, it was a small enough town for everybody to know the town drunk. It was one of those. And there was a man who drove, uh, you know, big uh, machinery, sort of caterpillar stuff. And, and he used to be rough as anything and was known as being this you know, hard person, and, and he got saved. And, and, he, and he just changed in a miraculous, wonderful way. Uh, he was in Bible study, studying, and all this stuff was happening that the whole town was talking about. The church was increasing in numbers. Uh, it was getting hard to find a seat. Uh, I would say we'd at least doubled. And, uh, and, and we'd only been there maybe, uh, you know, a year and a half or so. And, and I was thinking, well, this is it. 
This is where God has put us and this is where the blessing is going to be. And, and I was believing for good spiritual things. And let me tell you, everything went wrong. And uh, it kind of went wrong is in that as we grew, not everybody was excited about the growth. Now, I know that wouldn't happen to you if you walked in church and your seat wasn't available anymore and you had nowhere to park your car. And if you didn't know half the people in the church anymore when you used to know everybody, and, uh, you know, that it wouldn't bother you, that you'd just be rejoicing in the, what the Lord was doing. But there were some less spiritual than you, and uh, they were getting disturbed that the, the whole thing had had its, you know, it was all being turned on its head. And, and uh, this young fella had come down from the mainland, the big island, as they used to call it, and uh, it was all going this way. And, and uh, so people were getting stirred up. And, uh, and uh, you know, God kept blessing, and people were getting stirred up, and and then I remember the night that uh, somebody drove past our house at night and, and they had a large rock about this big and uh, they, had, uh, they had written something on it and they threw the rock through the window of our house in the night. It shattered the window, landed in the kids' room and glass everywhere and the kids screamed and, and uh, that happened another time and, and we ended up having to put the kids in the room with us and then I remember the morning that we went out and and someone had come through the night and they had graffitied the whole side of the house in letters six foot tall in black paint. And they'd put bad things about me and all up the side of that and everybody saw it. And, and uh, we just had a series of things going on like that. And uh, finally, uh, I thought, well, that's it. I'm done. You know, I, I don't want, if you don't want me, I don't want to be here. Now, now God dealt with me about that, by the way. God, God I left... In, I left in a moment of I'm anger and I've had enough and I'm going and I left uh, and I thought, well, what happened with that? It, it was looking like there was just blessing was going to come. It was looking like it was all going to be good. And you know, it was like our hope was just, just, just taken away. And I even thought, well, I don't even know I want to be in the ministry anymore. And uh, Suzanne's father, he was in real estate. And I said, can you get me a job in real estate? And he said, oh, I can get you a job if you want me to. And so uh, I just went into real estate. And I thought, I'm done. I'm, uh, I'm not going through that again. Boy, I didn't know that they'd hate you if the church grew. And Now, I've learned a lot since then, by the way. But, but uh, I, di I didn't know that they'd be against you. If, you know, I thought everybody would be glad at what God was doing. And, and the behavior of God's people, frankly, shocked me doesn't shock me anymore, but it did then. And so I did that. But you know what? God visited me one night and uh, God humbled me and God told me that it wasn't over. And, uh, and that it, 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 I was not leaving the ministry because what he calls you to, you don't walk away from. And it was the next day I got a phone call from Sidney Hunter, who was here at Good Shepherd, who had known me before I'd gone down to Tasmania. And uh, he called me and asked me to come and preach here. Uh, and that was when I came, and some of you were here on when I came, and your, your memory might be better at it than mine, but I came here, and uh, we didn't have this building. Uh, we were meeting in the other building, and there was no air conditioning. There was just a few fans. You had to come in and try to get under the fan. The early people always tried to position under the fans. And uh, remember that? And, uh, and uh, the, you know, the church had been through a difficult time and, and uh, I came and uh, it was clear to me that night that uh, God was telling me that, that, that this is where he wanted me to be. And first of all, he dealt with me, first of all, that there was a private surrender that I said, well, Lord, I'll, I'll, do, what you, I'll do what you want me to do if this is what you want me to do. And then he dealt with the people because they had to vote on it. And about two weeks later, they voted, and Brother Hunter called me, and he said, he said, Brother Wayne, it was unanimous. And it wasn't entirely unanimous. Some people just refrained from saying no. But all the people, all the people who did say yes, it was unanimous. And so, so it, was, it, was, it was pretty close. Now, I remember getting here, and I was here a couple of months, and some of the people, and I loved everyone in the church. I got to know uh, people in the church, and I was just, you know, feeling excited about what God was was going to do with us all and, and started spending some time with people. And every now and then someone would say to me, you know, Pastor, I feel so bad. Um, you know, you don't know this, but we voted against you. And I, I said, oh, 
And they said, well, we didn't vote against you. We didn't lift our hand up, but we would have voted against you. And we're so glad you... And I, we, we got over it all and it was all fine. But here's what I'm trying to say. There was a second event in ministry that God had planned in my life that was going to have a greater blessing on it than whatever came in the first. And, and if I had let the first discouragement, disappointment poison me, and if I'd, let, if I'd lost my faith in what God could do, I may have missed a wonderful thing that God was going to bring to pass. And, and God greatly, greatly, greatly sent a greater blessing on the second event than had rested on the first. And God gave back to me everything I had before and much, much more. And, and I'm, I'm just saying that you probably, you may have a story like that yourself. And then being here again and, and you know, the years that I was here and, and, and just, you know, God's working in this place. And then uh, finally, when uh, God began to speak to my heart about going to Thailand, and I, I resisted that for a while. I was talking to Pastor Lloyd about it in the office uh, last week. I, I, I remember resisting that and thinking, well, God, is this you? Other people would say to me, oh, Pastor, you're going to go to Thailand. I remember Phil Bird said that to me. And I'd say, no, no, I'm not going to go, you know. Other people could see what I couldn't see. Uh, but I couldn't see it because I had no plan. But God just kept, kept working. And, and then it was like, God, I've got to go to another thing. And I've got to go to nothing. And let me tell you, that was like a second second. You're hearing what I'm saying? It was like a second second. And so I, I went and I thought, well, you, 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 you're, not going to, you're not going to be able to beat what's happened here. This is the, the, the greatest years of my life happened when I was a good shepherd. Baptist. That's never going to be repeated. But let me tell you, God did something again that I never thought that he would do. Uh, things that still, I'm just astounded. I'm just, I can't explain how it happened. I, I, I don't know how it came to be. I'm just, I just would never have thought that. But, but what I'm trying to say to you, you may have lost something very dear to you, but it can come back again. It can come back. And you must not, you must not put a curse of barrenness on yourself because of the pain of what happened the first time. God is able. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Look at Genesis chapter 48. There's lots of seconds uh, where God just, you say, why does he do it that way? I don't know. I don't know. Why the second birth? I, I don't know. I know what it does. I understand the theology of it, but, you know, I don't know. The second Adam? Well, why? I, I, I don't know, but he does it. It often happens. And I'm trying to give someone some hope here tonight who may have felt like that, you know, you've been part of an event that was, you had a wonderful blessing, and, but also you've had a great deal of heartache and thinking, well, that's all gone from me. God can give it back again he can give it back but you've, you've got to you've got to stay engaged in the process you can't you can't say well no that's it I'm going to sell real estate I'll never go back to ministry again because of what happened listen the pain is real don't you think the pain was real for Eve what mother wants to lose two kids that way what, what mother wants to have that story one of my boys killed the other boy and now this one is banished and I don't get to see him either. No one, no one wants to live through that. That's, a, that's enough to make you, you say, I, I, I don't want to go through that again. If, if, that's, if that's believing in a promise, I don't want to go through that again. But it came back, it came back. And God gave back something far above what had been lost. Genesis 48, verse number 1 and it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And one told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat upon the bed. Now, when you... Uh, when you study any of the patriarchs, when you, get a, when you get a name change, particularly when you get Israel, 
Okay, that's, that's the, we have spirituality happening at that point. Okay, so, so that's, that's, that's the anointed part. And when you, whenever the, the Holy Spirit uses those name changes, they're there for a reason. So what is going to happen here is that Joseph has two boys and uh, he's going to take them to his father. His father is in decline and he's going to go and he's going to get a blessing from his father. Now, what you ought to know about the blessing, by, by the way, that's still a good thing to do. I was mentioning this to someone the other day. You know, there are just some things that, that we just let slide. And I think because we've let them slide, God lets them slide also. It's kind of like God says, if you don't want that, then you won't have it. If you don't believe that, then, then don't believe it. But miss what you, miss what you also, you, you don't get the blessing. I'll tell you one of the things that we've let slide is, is one of the things I learned in ministry was this. If God has his hand on a man and, an, and a man has an anointing of God on his life, uh, I want that man to pray for me. And I, I would seek out people to, to, to ask them if I could get to them, would you please put your hands on me and ask God to put a blessing on my life and ministry. Now, the reason why you do that is because you've identified some people that, that God seems to have a closeness with. And they seem to have a certain anointing on their own life. And uh, it's okay, it's biblical to, to have someone put hands on you and pray for you, that's okay. Now, I, I've done that in different places. I, I, I've done it in, you know, I remember uh, having Tom Williams pray for me uh, in a, 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 I tracked him down. He was driving his, you know, his motor home. He was going back from a preaching meeting. I got hold of him, and I said, I said, Dr. Williams, if I could come to you, uh, do you remember this, Suzanne? If I could come to you, uh, would you, would you, would you pray for me? Would you put your hands on me and just pray for me? And uh, he said, if you, if you get to me, I'll, I'll pray for you. And I found him, and uh, and I found him on the side of the road. And I got down on the side of the road. I remember, I remember the rock sticking into my knees as I was kneeling on the side of the road to have that anointed man of God who has been powerfully used of God and seen wonderful things happen to put his hand on me and, and pray uh, that God would do something special in my life. And there have been others. Now, I'm not alone at that. If, if, if Brother Fisher was here tonight, he could tell you. He sought Jack Hiles out three times and got to Brother Hiles three times and asked him, would he, would he put his, and others. And I, I'm gonna tell you, I believe in that. I, I don't think that's gone. You know, kind of like we're living, we, we wanna live in a day where we have a church with no power anymore. We wanna live in a day where it's all just scheduled and planned and the power's gone and, and you know, the anointing's gone and that doesn't happen anymore and the miracles are gone and and uh, well, what kind of Christianity is that? My Thai people don't want that. I, I, I tell them there's better than that. I, I, I've taught them uh, to expect more from God. And as a consequence, they get to see a lot of things. And we get to see miraculous things uh, that, that, because God does it. So, so it's not a, this is not a crazy thing that, you know, he's about to die. This is my dad, he's my authority. But he's also one of the patriarchs. I want him to put his hand on my kids. And I want him to pray for the blessing. I, I was here one night years and years ago when I, when I was pastoring here. I'd been preaching and I felt God say to me, I felt God say to me, in the altar call tonight, uh, invite the people to come for prayer and invite them to come that you, you will pray for them. And, and whoever comes to you tonight, you put your hand on them and you pray a special blessing on them. And I, and I felt all of that happening when I'm thinking, okay, all right, well, that's a bit unusual. But... And so the, uh, the, invit the altar call was on. I said to, the, said to the folks who were here that night, I said, I'm going to be down here. And if you would like me to come, uh, if you'd like me to pray for you, put my hand on and pray a blessing on your life, you come to me. You know how many came? Nobody came. Now, they were at other places, but nobody came to me. Now, whether they forgot or they just didn't want to do that, or I don't know what it was. But I remember walking back as the service was over and I felt like the Lord wanted to show me that. Wanted to show me that people can be at a place 
where blessing is very near yet not see it. And I don't think there was any blessing on me, but I think there was a blessing that God was going to give that night. And you say, does he do that? He does do that. He does do that. He, 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 he does do that. Two years ago, I was in America. I'd been preaching. God was, was just working and blessing. And I'd been preaching over a number of weeks. And I was uh, in my hotel room one night. And God just came to me clearly, unexpectedly, and said, this blessing on your life. And, and, and he gave me a particular verse. I wasn't reading my Bible. I didn't have it open, but I knew it. And he said, you'll have this. I gift it to you. And it was, it was like... And it had to do with my health. And, and I was like... And it was a gift. Now you say, I don't believe that. You don't have to. But I tell you what, I was in a quarantine hotel in comfortable jail a little while ago thinking about the medical tests that I had booked and was coming. And I was wondering with what had happened with my liver, what does this mean? And you know, you know how that is when you speculate, how your mind can fill in all the gaps in the story. And you've already got it worked out. You know, I hugged Joe when I left. I said, well, mate, I don't know. I'll be coming back. So, you know, put into place everything I've told you. And, uh, and I'm sitting in that quarantine hotel contemplating. You have a bit of time to do that when you're there. And thinking about what was going to come. And I thought, well, maybe they're going to find this, they're going to find this, they're going to find that. And God came to me and God said, have you forgotten the word that I spoke unto you? And he brought it up to me again. And I, I you know, I wore it up. And it was, a, it was a promise. Now, God can do that. God can gift you something. Does he have to? No, he doesn't have to. He's not obligated, but he can do it. He can just, he can just gift you something. He can, he can say, you know, as much as you've done. Now, there's Bible examples of this. Solomon, because you didn't ask for the life of your enemies and you didn't ask for yourself and you didn't, because you, you didn't want all that, I give you this. And he was gifted with something he didn't even ask. And God was just rewarding something he saw in his life. So, so, you know, it's not a bad thing to, to, to want to do what was happening here, to, to have this prayer. And I, I've had others pray for me, and you can think what you will about that. I believe in it. I believe in it. My, my God's not dead. Uh, powerful things still happen. I, I can't live a lukewarm, half-hearted, you know, uh, you know half-dead Christianity. I can't do that. I can't. I've got to have something more than that, folks. I've got, I've got to have something bigger than that. And I still believe in it. And I, I know it can happen. I know it's true. And so, so he wants to get his boys prayed for. And uh, let's read uh, verse number... Uh, well, we read from verse 12. And Joseph brought them out from between his knees. This is sort of tender. He's got his two boys there. And he bowed himself with his face to the earth. He's before his father. And Joseph took them both. Now, you're going to find now from the next few verses, from verse 13, the Holy Spirit is going to be really detailed. And he's going to tell you things that you might think, why, is he, why, why are you telling us all that? And, and it's very detailed. And the reason it's detailed is for you to get a picture in your mind and not mistake what happened here. That's why this is very detailed. All right. Everything the Holy Spirit puts in the Word of God is there for a reason. You won't always know the reason at the first reading, but it's there for a reason. So let's see, verse 30. Joseph took them both, and here it is. Ephraim, in his right hand, because he's going towards someone else who's facing him, uh, in his right hand, toward Israel's left hand. Can you, can you see that? They're facing each other. And Manasseh in his left hand, towards Israel's right hand. Do you, do, have you got that? Is the picture clear or is it confusing? They're facing each other. So uh, uh, Joseph has got his boys and his dad, is, his dad is over there. So if I'm Israel, and notice it's called, he's called Israel, not Jacob now. He's standing this way, so his right hand is here. Okay, the other thing you need to know in the Bible, the right hand is the hand of blessing. It's always the right hand. It's always the right hand. 
So, so he's this way, his right hand, his left hand. Okay, so uh, uh, Joseph has positioned his boys that when he takes them forward, that the older will meet his dad's right hand and the younger will be at his left hand. So that's why that's told to you, that positioning of what's happening. And what you're going to see is that God does what God does. Verse number 14, And Israel, who's going to give the blessing, stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head. Right? So he did this. So, so uh, Joseph has positioned the boys for the blessing. He, Joseph knows what he wants blessed. Okay, now this is starting to be us. Joseph knows what he wants blessed. And he goes to, to uh, Israel and has positioned them so that the obvious blessing is going to go like he intends. But his dad does this, or, you know, he's not just his dad, this is... This is a patriarch through whom the bless. His dad does this. And, and he doesn't do it accidentally. Right? Because, again, look at the detail in the scriptures. At the end of verse number 14. Guiding his hands wittingly. Very deliberate. Very deliberate. Down to verse 17. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand, the blessing one, upon the head of Ephraim. Okay, Ephraim is the younger, but let me, let me put it in context the message tonight. Ephraim is the second, not the first. That's the point. He's not the first, he's the second. And, and Joseph is seeking the blessing on the first, and the first will get a blessing but the blessing on the second will be far greater than the blessing on the first. And that's, that's why this is all here. And when Joseph saw his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. You know, I know he thought, dear old dad's having a, a moment, you know, he's better fix this up. And Joseph said unto his father, not so, my father. For this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. Don't, you're blessing the wrong thing. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son. Now, what I want you to see from that is a, it's a picture again of the blessing going on the second far above the blessing that was on the first. And what happens is you and I are Joseph. We go to God and we don't do wrong in doing this, but we go to God and we say, God, bless this. Bless this one. Bless this one. And God says, I'm going to put the blessing on that one. And then we do this, not so, my father. And we do the not so because we've, we, we have a vested interest in wanting that blessing in that place. But God has his own reasons. And, and so another example here, and I'm about to conclude, where God took the blessing on the second and gave it much more prominence than was on the first. Now there's a pattern of that, you know, Jacob, Esau, there's a pattern of that as you go through the Bible of God elevating the one that you thought would not be elevated. And the application is, in your life, you may have had, you know, a first of some things where you asked God to bless that, and maybe he did, but it didn't go the way that you'd hoped. And I'm trying to say to you, if you'll keep having children, if you'll stay in the game, it can come back to you again. And God can put a great blessing. It can be, it can be found again. And then men called upon the name of the Lord. It, listen to me you can have it again. It can come back again. I'm, I'm not, this is not just rhetoric. I believe this. I know this. It's true. God can come again. The, the, the Spirit of God can blow again. 
what you thought was gone can come back in greater measure than it's ever been before. And I don't know what the application of that is for your life or, or, or what that means, but I'm just, I'm just showing you that there's, there's, a, there's a biblical pattern here of God doing that. And I, I want you to not abort the process because it may have not worked out the first time. But to stay, to stay in it and, and to believe. I want to tell you to believe. I wish some of my ties were here to give testimony tonight because they'd motivate you to believe. You, you'd hear their stories and you'd go, Whew. I want to tell you it's still happening. We're near the second coming, but it's not over yet. I felt God say to me in hospital, you don't have to believe anything. When I say I felt God say to me, you can tune out, okay? Because I'm not saying thus saith the word of God, I'm just sharing. And you can believe it or not believe it. But I felt God say to me when I was in hospital in Nakon Sawan, and I was lying there and, you know, a bit sick, more than a bit sick. And by the way, when you're in hospital in Thailand, people sleep with you in the room. You don't stay in hospital alone. So I had Joe and Curtis in there most of the time with me. And uh, they do your nursing work, as it were. Nurses do a little bit, but they, they, they do the rest. So we stay with you. And I felt God said to me when I was in hospital, and I'm, I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit. I'm sure it was. I'm very certain. He said to me this, the end is near. There is much to be done. The end is near. There is much to be done. And I felt, as, as it were, an urgent voice of the Holy Spirit. To, and I already know the end is near. Don't you agree the end is near? Can't You can see that. You don't need me to tell you that. It wasn't like when I heard that, I went, oh, the end is near. I was already thinking for a long time, the end is near. But it was like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, the end is near. But there's much to be done. We, we're, not, we're not allowed to abscond in our duties. We're not, we're not supposed to say, oh, look, it's bleak and black and miserable and it's all over. And, and We're not supposed to do that. You must not be overcome by the world. You're in Christ and he has overcome the world for you. You must not be overcome by the world. Okay, you've got to rekindle your hope and rekindle your belief. There are, there are souls that will be saved. There's, there's, there's nothing to stop a great work of the Holy Spirit. It can be geographically isolated. It doesn't have to be the whole world, but it can happen. And I want you to, to really believe that again. And I want you to, if you've been hurt in something the first time, I want you to you know, as it were, keep having babies because it can come, it can come in a great way. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Did God speak to you tonight? Let's go ahead and stand. If you stand, it's easy for you to get to the altar. Notice when people sit down, they don't always feel comfortable pushing around people. Let's go ahead and take some time to pray tonight. Uh, go ahead and play, honey, whatever you want to play. And uh, let's just use, if you felt God spoke to you tonight about something or maybe you just want to call out to God for like a fresh breath or maybe you just need to believe again. Maybe you got some comfort tonight and God said, you see this? This is what I did in your life. You're living this. You know, what, whatever it is, just take some time to pray. We're just going to uh, give some time for that.